Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Come on, don't patty cape him. Give him a real praise this morning. Do me a favor, tell yourself a story this morning. Come on, begin to minister to yourself. Tell your, pat yourself on the chest and say, I'm loved by God. Come on, begin to tell yourself a story. I'm redeemed by, by God. Come on, come on, begin to tell yourself a story. I got peace in my mind in the midst of chaos. Come on, tell yourself a story. Tell yourself the story that the Bible says about you. That every step of a good man is ordered by the Lord. That God is ordering your steps. Come on, tell yourself the story. Come on, y'all. Hallelujah. I'm so excited to be here this morning. We get a chance to start a new series. This week we begin a series entitled Real News, The Power of Our Stories. This series is designed to look at the biblical narrative and examine the life and character and, fear and find the real story. You know, each and every one of us in this room have a story. Our stories is what people, is not just what we think, but it's also an internal story. This, this series is clear. We have a divine assignment in this series. And this series is going to be different. Each and every one of us have homework at the end of this series. Somebody say homework. Your homework at the end of this series is that you are to tell your story to 10 people and you are to listen to 10 people's story. This series will be a failing series if we don't do our homework. Tell somebody you got homework, you got homework. So this, so let's begin this series in Mark chapter two, verses one through 12, as we begin today. A few days later, when Jesus again entered in Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home they gathered in such a large number that there's no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above and Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw the faith and said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why did this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God and God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in their spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, tell them, get up, take your mat, go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying he'd never seen anything like this. You may be seated in his presence. Our Father and our God, we thank you, we bless you, and we adore you for the power of your word. Now, God, I pray that you are the potter, we are the clay, molders, shapers, makers, breakers to what you need us to be. Holy Spirit, we give you full authority, minister to our minds, speak with our hearts. In Jesus' name, we pray, and God's children say, amen, amen, amen. 
verse 8 grabs our attention this morning. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? For the time that's mine, I just want to preach this morning, finding the truth in your story. Finding the truth in your story. Lil, one of the first things I've learned as a minister in training was the power of telling a story. 20 years ago, I remember when my pastor taught about preaching styles. And one of the methods he discussed is storytelling. He explained to us that storytelling can start from outside the text, outside of the biblical narrative, and then it also then goes to the inside of the biblical narrative. He taught us, he gave us a warning. He said, if you start a narrative outside of the biblical narrative, it's, it's, it, you got to be careful that the story that you tell outside of the narrative gives clarity and understanding to the biblical narrative. I remember him warning us about the stories on the outside of the text because it is a risk that we can project onto, onto the biblical narrative and instead of having a positive impact, you have a negative impact and it impacts the realness of the story. In other words, the external narrative should align with the internal narrative and when it does that, you will find the truth in the narrative. I remember the, preaching my initial sermon 22 years ago and I had a private meeting with my pastor and he said something 22 years ago that really helped me today. He said to me after my message, he said, this is just the beginning of your ministry. You are a gifted preacher and God is working through your gift. But Corey, don't let your gift take you where your character can't keep you. And then he said something else to me. He said another thing. He said, he said, you know, he said, this message, the message you had preached was really good. He said, but always remember, ministry is public and private. He said, we, he said, I want you to remember that don't be a public wonder and find yourself a private failure. Grace City, finding the truth in our story we must align the private and the public story. Great City, in order to get the truth about our lives, other people, our faith, even ourselves, we have to have a true story. And in order to have a true story, one must have an internal and an external story aligned. What am I saying to you this morning? Each and every one of you all in this room have an external story, but there's a story that you're telling yourself on the inside. And what is important for us to understand is that when one story is saying one thing, but our internal story is saying another thing, we are at risk of failing to understand the truth or the real of the story. You know, this is why I, know, you know, this is why I think in this season, church is difficult, especially with things like race, politics, justice, it, uh, 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 because too many of us are at risk of having a public story and a private story that does not match. We have a public 
story on politics and we have a private story on politics and it doesn't match. We have a public story on faith and a private story on faith and they don't match. We have a public story on race and then there's a private story on race and it doesn't match. Or we have a public story on justice and a private story on justice and they don't match. But Dr. James Laura said in a TED talk on the power of story, he said in order to get the story correct, one must align the story we tell ourselves publicly with the story we tell ourselves privately. Lord have mercy, I'm preaching good and y'all quiet. But Susan Konla says something profound, and she's an educator. And this educator said, you know, she's an a, a artsy writer, and she got excited. She said, and she said this in her tag, in her tag. She says, story gives full access to fantasy and imagination. And she believes when, a, when, when, when you get a chance to open up your imagination and share your story, she said, it has the potential for transformation. But, here's the, but, but, but here, lies, here's, here lies the question I have for Sister Coney. So, because although you may have the opportunity, stories may be the opportunity to lay out your imagination, the problem is when our imagination can take us in places that was never intended, that's not true in our story. Listen, great story, our stories are powerful. They solidify our existence, transform our lives, but it can harm others, especially when stories are planted from our imagination and not in truth. I believe this is why the Bible says, cast down imaginations on everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity the thoughts of the obedience of Christ. That's what Paul says to the church of Corinth. My pastor knew the power of telling a story, but he also understood the danger of our stories. And you know, even in the faith, when our private stories and our public stories about God's and God's people is misaligned, it can be harmful and not transformative. And the question we must ask ourselves in order for us to have a real and a right story, the question is, is our stories aligned? I want us to understand this morning, you have to deal with this question who is in the center of your story it's God in the center of the story or are you in the center of the story or is God the author of the story or are you the author of the story because when the author of the story is aligned with who God is we can find the truth of our story in our text this morning Mark is writing to his audience. And Mark has a sense of urgency. Mark is a beautiful writer. We know and as theologians know that Mark is our first gospel writer. I know we say Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we know that Mark is the first God writer. Most scholars believe, most scholars believe that Mark wrote first and Matthew and Luke took the information in Mark and expanded it. If you notice and you compare the stories in Mark, Mark, Luke, and John, you will discover that Matthew and Luke expands the story. 
But the thing I love about Mark is that I believe he didn't expand as much because he had this sense of urgency. You don't see a background. You don't see a genealogy. Mark got right to it. He got right to it. He wanted you to know in verse 1, chapter 1, that Jesus is the center of the story. He didn't have time to play around with the genealogy. He didn't have time to play around. He wanted the story. He wanted the narrative to be straight. That this story is about Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is at the center of Mark's story. And Jesus is at the center of our faith. And Jesus is at the center of our lives. Not only by the time he gets to the, verse 20, the first 20 verses, he's, Jesus is already working in Mark. He has drive chapter 1, verse 20, all the way down. He's already working. He's driving out demons, healing mother-in-laws, healing a man with leprosy. Mark is clear that Jesus is the center of the narrative. Can I ask you a question this morning? Who's at the center of your narrative? Mark is clear <laughs> that Jesus is the center of the narrative. So we find ourselves now in chapter 2. Jesus continues to be the center of the narrative as one who preaches the good news for those to forgive sin and to heal. Scholars believe that there possibly could be two stories in this. Some scholars believe that there's two separate stories. I would submit and I would argue this morning that there's not two stories. I would submit that there are one, there's one story, but we get a perspective on the outside and we get an inter outside and an inside perspective. In other words, we get an external perspective and an internal perspective. Again, my point to you is each and every one of us in this room have, in this room have two stories. There's a story that's on the outside and there's a story that's on the inside. So let's look at the external story. The Bible says that Jesus is now in Capernaum and now he is in this city again. And the Bible says, can I walk around a little? Is it all right? Can I got some room? The Bible said, I, they gave me some room, y'all. The, the, the story says that Jesus is now in Capernaum. And while he is in Capernaum, the text says that they heard Jesus was in town. And when they heard they was, he was in town, the Bible says that there was this man who was there who had been paralyzed and Four of his friends grabbed him, picked him up to take him to Jesus. When they took this man to Jesus, y'all, they walk up to the man and all of a sudden the crowd is packed. They can't get this man to Jesus at all because it's so crowded. And so they, they, it would have made sense for them to leave the man right there on the ground and say, I have gone as far as I can. But that's not what the story says. The story says that they grabbed the man, began to say, what are some other ways I can get this man to Jesus? The Bible says they go to the roof, break the roof open, and drop the man down to Jesus. And watch this. Now the man is face to face with Jesus. That's the external story. Jesus says these words, son, your sins are forgiven. And then here's the internal story. The story continues. Stay with me. Here's the internal story. While this is going on, there's something going on 
inside of some people that's watching. They're watching this and they're saying, and Jesus notices what's going on in the inside. Somebody say, Jesus noticed what's going on on the inside. And he says to, that, he says to the people, why do you think that way? Why do you have those kind of feelings internally? What's going on, watch this, y'all, inside of you? Again, there's the external perspective, and there's the internal perspective. And so Jesus, watch this, y'all, it's, it's amazing. So he addresses them, and, and, and the men says these words. This is what they're thinking. They're thinking that Jesus is committing blasphemy. In other words, uh, Jesus, what Jesus is doing, watch this, is irreverent to God. That's the narrative they have in their, their mind. Jesus forgives a man of his sin, changes his life, and then there's another internal perspective that is saying Jesus is being irreverent. And Jesus' assignment, church, is now how do we take these two perspectives and match them up so that we can get a real story? How do we take two different perspectives? How do we take the external perspective and the internal perspective and find our real story? Each and every one of us have been in a place in your life where someone has had an external perspective on you, but yet the internal was a lot different. Some of you all have had an external perspective on someone, but then the internal was different. And the question, and this is the catch, y'all. This, this is where we are. You will never get the real story until the external and the internal come together. So Jesus' assignment is to bring these two perspectives together. And I love it because he does a really good job of getting to the real story. So the real story of this story, Grace City, is that Jesus is the hope in this situation. Jesus is the hope in this situation. Again, watch this, watch this. The text says, when they heard that Jesus was near, everybody started moving towards Jesus because he was the hope. Everybody, the crowd, everyone is moving towards Jesus because he is the hope. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you moving towards Jesus because he is your hope? And so they, they're, 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 they're moving towards Jesus. And again, y'all know the story. I just told you the story. As they're moving towards Jesus, they break the roof open. Watch this. They lower the man, in the, they lower the man and watch this. When he gets in front of Jesus, watch this. Oh, because we can't get the story right until we get face to face with the hope. So we can't get the story right. So watch this. He drops him in front of Jesus. Remember, they break the roof open. Drop him in front of Jesus. And what happened? Y'all ready for this? When they drop him down, Jesus doesn't doesn't address his condition, he addresses his, their, his identity. Let, let, me, let, let, me, let me prove it to you. In this text, let me say, everybody say this text. 
And this story, everybody say this story. It is a direct correlation between sin and, per, and him being paralyzed. Somebody say this story. Not all stories, but this story. Mark is very specific about the sin and him being paralyzed. It's a reason why. But Jesus, when he drops in front of Jesus, he doesn't call him a sinner. When he drops down, he doesn't, listen, the, we don't, what's the man's name in the story? What's his, what's his family background? How old is he? What's his genealogy? You don't know nothing about this man other than the fact what I just told you, he's a sinner who's paralyzed. But that's not what Jesus calls him. When the sinner who's paralyzed drops in front of Jesus, guess what the first word Jesus says to the man? Son. <laughs> oh, God, y'all just missed. Let me talk to this. Can I talk to this side of the room? Because When he gets in front of Jesus, he doesn't identify him by his condition. He identifies him as a son. In his condition. Watch this. He's a son before he's forgiven. God. He's a son before he's forgiven. That's why the real story is Jesus is the hope. He says, watch this. Son, watch this, y'all. Your sins are forgiven. Now, here lies the problem. And I'm going to put the story together for you. Here lies the problem. Jesus is the hope. But with hope, there's always hate. <laughs> you got a hope and you got the hate. Watch this. The teachers of the law are sitting back watching this. Now, don't miss this, y'all. Don't. They're sitting back, watch this. And they're saying, how can this man forgive sins? No one can forgive sins but, but God and God alone. And listen, they're correct. It's nothing wrong with their position. But here is the distorted story that's messing them up right now. I got to let the ambulance go because I got, I, you can't miss this. You, you really can't miss this. I'm telling, hold on, hold on online, y'all can't miss this. Here it is. These men, they don't have a problem with Jesus healing. They have a problem with Jesus forgiving. <laughs> in their minds, in their narrative, in their internal story, there is nothing wrong with Jesus being a healer. That's why they're coming to Jesus. But in their mind, is something wrong with Jesus forgiving. And this is what he says, y'all. And so he deals, and how he does, he shapes the story. He begins to shape the story. Because what's going on with them is not that it's a problem with healing and forgiveness. It's the problem they have internally or how they feel about Jesus. So here it is, here it is, here, here it is, y'all. So how does he solve this problem, this internal problem? He gets face to face, and he says, why are you thinking this way? And then he says this, he says, which is easier? 
to say, rise, take up this mat, or walk, or forgive this man of sins. He says, the Son of Man, watch this, have authority to forgive sins. This is what Jesus does. Here it is real simple, all that, all that stuff. It's just simple. He says, he says this, here it is. The same authority to heal is the same place in authority to forgive. So if you accept the authority to heal, then you have to accept the authority to forgive. How is it that you create a story in your mind that it's okay for me to heal, but it's not okay for me to forgive? Oh, I'm, I'm great. Step on somebody's toe. How is it <laughs> that it's okay for healing, but it's not okay for forgiveness? How is it that we can, because watch this, this is why Jesus is connecting, watch this, sin and paralyzed because the solution is forgiveness and healing. You can't disconnect the two. And Jesus is saying you have a narrative in your head that somehow it's okay to heal but it's not okay to forgive. But, for, but what, what I love about Jesus is how he handles the people, how he handles his haters. He doesn't stand up there and call them haters. He doesn't do any of that. He walks them through. He gets face to face with them, and he walks them through. He asks them a question, which is easier? To heal the man or forgive the man. They are both the same. It comes from the same authority. But watch this, y'all. I, I, I can go on. on with this. I, I'm almost there. Watch this. And then he says, the son of man have the authority to heal. Notice, watch this, church. He didn't say the son of God. Because if he had said the son of God, it would have turned the whole story upside down. Because they could not relate to the fact that Jesus was the son of God. But Jesus says, I am the son of man. I am the one that comes to serve mankind, humanity. It is, isn't it amazing, church, that in the discrepancy, in the confusion in the story, Jesus gives the right words so that even his haters can receive it. He could have easily said, I'm the son of God. But he says, I'm the son of man so that his haters can even receive it. Fourteen times in Mark, he calls himself the son of man. Eighty times in scripture, you see the son of man. Mark is very clear that he is taking this moment to reconcile something and he gives the right language to do it. He's very intentional about using the son of man. He's not trying to be right. He's trying to reconcile. Y'all just missed it. Y'all just missed it. I said he's not trying to be right. He's trying to reconcile. He's trying to take the two stories, this internal and external, bring them together so that we can be, get a real story. The last thing here, and I'm done, he heals. 
He's, he's in the situation. He's hope. He's hated. But he's the healer. He goes to the man, church. He says to the man, rise, take up your mat, and walk. And the Bible says immediately, the man got up, went out into his community, and the entire community was amazed at the experience that they experienced. To see this man back on his feet, his life transformed. Grace City, <laughs> that's the real story. The real story is Jesus is the hope Jesus was hated, but Jesus is the healer. And our job, as we go out and share our story, that if people's lives are not transformed and changed, that we missed the purpose of sharing our story. Jesus took the external and the internal, brought them together so that lives could be changed. My challenge for you today Whatever's going on externally, whatever's going on internally, they got to come together so that we can get down to the real story. Both external and external, the, Jesus did it face to face. He got in the face of the man who needed to be healed, and he got in the face of the people who were internally struggling. Great city. We got to share our stories so that the external and the internal can come together. Let me pray for us. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for how you have called us to bring our stories together so that we can get a true and real news. <laughs> I don't want to stand around assuming or imagining what you think about me. But let me get face to face so that we can share our stories together. God, thank you for stories. Thank you for how you shaped us. Thank you for how you made us. Each and every one of us are uniquely formed and shaped in your image. So God, I pray now that as we take this challenge, share 10 stories, give away our 10 stories so that our lives will be made new, that we find newness, that we would bring the internal and external together. And Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.